Welcome back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your listening convenience. January 19th, 2021. Nine questions for Netflix's Q4 2020 earnings interview tonight. After a dramatic surge in Netflix's stock price in first half 2020, shares have been effectively stuck at around the 500 level over the past six months. The recent underperformance has largely been driven by fears of a COVID-19 pull forward, creating challenging comps for 2021, and rising concerns about intensifying streaming competition. While there is little doubt that the pandemic pulled forward subgrowth, more importantly, it accelerated the industry shift to streaming television and movies, a meaningful positive for our Netflix investment thesis. With the recent launch of Discovery Plus and the coming launch of Paramount Plus, the entire legacy television industry has pivoted their most ambitious content to streaming, meaningfully reducing the need for non-sports fans to subscribe to the multi-channel bundle, freeing up time and wallet share for Netflix and other services. The pandemic has also provoked the film industry to shatter the sequential release windows led by Warner Brothers, with Disney likely to follow shortly. will accelerate talent's acceptance of Netflix's direct-to-streaming movie strategy and enable significantly higher ARPU. At the same time that the TV and film industries are shifting in Netflix's direction, Netflix's global strategy is proving uniquely valuable, with a French TV show top 10 in markets around the world, differentiating Netflix from its peers both in local markets and around the world, as well as enabling Netflix to produce content at a fraction of what it costs in the U.S. Ahead of Netflix's Q4 2020 earnings interview tonight, We wanted to lay out nine key questions investors should be asking management. Our Q3 2020 questions can be found here. Number one, is 2021 India's breakout year? India has been a challenge for Netflix, much like its launch in new territories such as Latin America and Japan, where it took time to understand local market tastes and achieve product market fit. After listening to the December 2020 podcast episode of We Are Netflix on India, embedded to the right, with Monica Shagril, Vice President of Content at Netflix India, and Shristi Arya, Director of Original Film at Netflix India, we believe 2021 could be a breakout year for Netflix India. Local content is particularly important in India, with Netflix executives discussing the rapid ramp in content team and the 17 titles that were recently announced. Link, and also worth looking at today's top 10 in India, embedded top right, which shows a Netflix Indian original movie at number one, called Tripanga. Netflix has historically talked about the potential for India to be even bigger subscriber market than the U.S., not revenue, with content starting to ramp meaningfully. Should we assume India will be the market with the largest subgrowth potential in absolute numbers in 2021? We are also curious what you learned from November's Stream Fest in India, particularly after having to extend the free Netflix weekend due to overwhelming demand. Any way to frame the scale of StreamFest user-wise? Number two, could Netflix be the day-and-date SVOD home for studios without SVOD? With Warner Brothers pivoting to day-and-date HBO Max slash theaters and Disney likely to follow suit shortly with Disney Plus slash theaters for its 2021 slate, we are curious what happens to everyone else. Paramount Plus could clearly be the home of Paramount movies, albeit the sub-base is still relatively small. And we doubt Peacock can fill that role for Universal, as most subs are not paying, with Sony, MGM, and Lionsgate having no scaled SVOD platform. In turn, we wonder if these studios could look to Netflix. 
as an SVOD home for their 2021 slate at the same time they release these films in theaters. The alternative is continuing to delay films into an increasingly crowded pileup of to-be-released films in late 2021 into 2022. Number three, what is optimal kids' content strategy? Coco Melon has been a fixture in Netflix's top 10 for several months, despite the content being repurposed from YouTube. Moonbug's Coco Melon is the largest kids' content channel on YouTube. It appears that kids' content can be even more valuable when exploited across multiple platforms, as we have seen with Coco Melon, as well as with Nickelodeon content such as SpongeBob. Curious how this impacts your strategy towards kids' programming. How much do you need to own versus license kids' content? In addition, for the kids' programming Netflix creates, would it be more valuable in terms of merchandising and licensing for the content to live on and off Netflix? Number four, should Netflix's price increase have gone up more? There appears to be virtually no pushback tied to your recent price increase, with Netflix announcing it will have 70 movies in 2021. See the two-minute video embedded to the right, essentially becoming the home movie theater for its subscribers. With the average U.S. movie ticket $10 per person, Netflix at $13.99 per month feels like an incredible value with 70 movies that the entire family can watch at no extra cost. It also remains less expensive than the growing HBO Max in the U.S. despite much more content. In the past, you have talked about the potential for Netflix to ultimately move pricing to $20-$25 per sub per month. Is the quality and consumption of your movies the key to moving price from today's $13.99 towards $20 plus? And do you think the $1 increase announced late last year was too conservative in hindsight? Number five, do you foresee Roku as a content competitor? In our top 21 for 21, we predicted Roku will raise capital in 21 to enter the original content space following their recent Quibi content deal. Given your own shift to producing original content to differentiate Netflix from its peers and increase leverage with third parties, curious how you think about the prospect of a critical distribution platform for Netflix starting to create its own content, akin to Amazon Prime Fire TV and Apple TV slash Apple TV Plus, Albeit Roku appears entirely focused on ad-based streaming, AVOD, not SVOD. Number six, what have you learned from the linear launch in France? In late 2020, Netflix began testing a linear channel inside Netflix called Direct that essentially creates an alternative programmed linear experience versus the consumer choosing each show they want to stream. What percentage of Netflix users in France have used the service and has it meaningfully increased overall consumption in the market? Do you plan to test other markets? Number seven, assess feature animation progress. How would you assess over the moon's performance to cost? As you try to reach the consumer appeal of Pixar, Disney, Illumination titles, what do you think are the key ingredients for success? Do you have the creative talent to execute on this ambitious strategy? What film films should we be looking for next to judge the progress of your animated feature film strategy? You have talked about scaling up six major releases a year, how many in 2021, which is similar to what the entire industry put out in a given year. Can you manage creatively six major animated films a year? Number eight, merchandise and licensing ambitions. How important are merchandising and licensing to Netflix? Disney has historically talked about the importance of theatrical releases to drive merchandise and licensing. However, the success of Mandalorian appears to have negated that legacy viewpoint, not to mention the global appeal of the Queen's Gambit and the resulting surge in chess sales. 
Curious how you think about building Netflix's consumer products offerings. Is it a meaningful growth area in 2021? And how closely tied into animated feature film production? Number nine, how worsening pandemic impacts Netflix. It feels rather obvious that with the COVID-19 pandemic worsening around the world, Netflix usage likely ticked up meaningfully in late Q4 2020 with a carryover into Q1 2021. Curious if you can give us any sense of what average time spent per subscriber household looks like today. It's been a couple of years since you talked to the stat. While Netflix was one of the first studios to restart production during the pandemic, with the health situation becoming more challenging, we're curious how confident you are about your 2021 slate. Has most everything been shot for 2021 now, given that you work a year ahead, or did the pandemic alter that? 